0: Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, giving leaders the tools and information they need to grow and change their world. Now here's your host, Dale Dixon.
1: Saying no when everyone wants you to say yes. We're conquering overcommitment today on the Complete Leader Podcast. I'm your host, Dale Dixon, with Ron Price, co-author of The Complete Leader, also author of Growing Influence. Ron, great to be with you today.
0: It's good to be with you,
1: Dale. So a quick recap on our, during our last conversation, we talked about overcoming overwhelm and uh, you gave us some great ways to start managing, managing our time better. And we definitely recommend you go back, listen to that podcast. If you haven't done so already and start incorporating some of those things to start making your days more effective, so to speak. And today we're diving into this idea of over commitment because when somebody asks us to do something, it's expected that we say yes and we want to say yes because inherently we want people to like us and we want to please, please people and all of those things and the psychology that goes into that, Ron, we, we can talk about today. But um, let's give that quick recap of our episode, of our most, most recent episode for folks to catch them up to speed.
0: Yeah, it's sort of the bullet point uh, summary is that. We find a very, very high percentage of people who feel overwhelmed and a very high percentage of people who feel that they don't manage their time as well as they would like to. As a matter of fact, Dale, uh, the our, our website with all of our resources, ha- received visits from uh, people living in 116 different countries in 2020. And the number one reason that they came to us, by by the way, the vast majority of them found us through search engines, Google or Yahoo or being one of those. And the vast majority of people came to us because they were looking for ways to better manage their time or manage themselves. So it really reinforced what anecdotally I had been hearing from a lot of our clients, this sense of overwhelm and uh, struggling with how we manage our time. So we talked about you have to build a set of habits to manage your time more effectively. And those are small habits. A habit is one or more actions that you repeat over and over and over again until they become easier to do than not to do. That's when we call them a habit is when they become more, quote, natural. So we talked about how you go about doing that. You have to think it through. You have to spend time working on yourself yourself. You have to launch those habits with some motivation, with some great energy, and then you need to be careful to hold on to them and not let them slip away in the busyness of everything going on around us. We live in a very noisy world, and there are constant temptations and obligations and duties that we feel we have to respond to. And if you think of this idea of a balloon, what holds a balloon in shape is that you've got to have air on the inside that is in the right proportion compared to the air on the outside. So if the air on the outside is all the noise coming at us, all the requests, demands, expectations, we've got to have something on the inside to counter that. So it's an intentionality. It's an awareness of who we want to be and what we want to accomplish and how we're going about doing that that makes us a healthy balloon, I guess you could say. (laughs) So um, that's what we talked about in our last conversation. And I mentioned briefly that I've been working on this ever since the late 1970s. So my goodness, I guess that's 50 years now. Well, 40, over 40 years at least. And um, what I've discovered more recently was that I put all this effort into better managing time and priorities when really the biggest cause of my frustration and the biggest cause of me not feeling I was being the best version of myself was my tendency to overcommit. So conquering overcommitment has become a big focus for me. And I believe it's part of the key to people enjoying their lives more is learning how to conquer this tendency to overcommit.
1: So when we talk about overcommitment, let's talk about some of those root causes. Um, it's, and I started out by somewhat jokingly talking about the inability for us to say no, but I have a feeling it's probably a little deeper than that.
0: Yeah, I think it, at the surface, we usually say, well, it's somebody who's so driven for results that we would refer to them as an, a workaholic uh, or somebody who's so oriented around pleasing people but I actually think there's more to it than just that. So I've identified 11 different causes as I've reflected on it myself. I'm sure I haven't gotten to all of them yet, but this is part of what I do during my time to work on myself every day, is I take time looking at, I've been journaling about what I'm realizing, i journaling about the commitments I made and kept the commitments I didn't keep, trying to understand this better, and um, the first cause, I think, that causes people, or the, the the first, yeah, the first cause that results in people overcommitting themselves is ambition that exceeds their current resources. So I'm not, I don't think ambition is a bad thing, but when ambition is so great that it stretches you beyond what you're really capable of. It creates negative stress, which is damaging. It can lead to burnout. It can lead to emotional, psychological, sometimes even physical injury. And that strong results orientation, I think is an important part of what makes us human. I think it's something we have that dogs don't really have. They, they, they do have a very short-term results orientation. But too much of a good thing can get us out of balance. It can actually put us in an unhealthy situation. So that's number one. Number two, you mentioned already, that's wanting to please others. And we often do that when we're depending on other people for our inner peace. Without realizing it, what we're saying subconsciously is, I need your approval. So I'm going to overcommit. I'm going to say yes, because it will make you feel good about me. And that's somebody who's getting their sense of identity or they're getting their their sense of being worthy from how other people treat them. The third cause I've identified, and this is very real to me, is finding lots of things interesting and enjoying the creativity that it draws out It's sort of the fun factor. But again, it's the fun factor gone wild. And it's, it's one of the fundamental causes I've identified in myself for overcommitment is that so many opportunities come my way that I say, ooh, that would be fun. I would enjoy that. That would be cool. And it's, as I work on conquering overcommitment, I have to recognize that tendency for me to say yes just because something's interesting to me. Reason number four and this is another big one for me is finding people interesting. So I, I, th- I genuinely think there was a time in my life and career where needing people's approval was really important to me. But I can see that that has faded now. It's not as important to me now. But what still is a great temptation for me is that I tend to see the potential in people and I get enthused about what they could be. And I often have blind spots around what might keep them from becoming that. And I have had this, I've had to really work on not being the solution for people. I've had to work hard at not, I can't create their success. They have to create their success. I might be able to guide them along the way, mentor them some, but I can't be the one who's primarily responsible for them succeeding. So that's number four is finding people interesting and really being enraptured by their potential. Number five is a behavioral trait that we see in a lot of the assessments that we do. It's people who have a lot of optimism and trust as strong behavioral traits, but taken to an extreme, they end up with this can-do attitude, which is sometimes unwise. We all think can-do is, wow, that's a great thing to have, but anything that's good taken to an extreme can cast a big shadow can become a negative. So I see people who have this natural optimism and it gets them in trouble. And I'm one of those people. And it's one of the things I really appreciate about my wife because she's the opposite. And she will challenge my optimism in a way that helps me to govern myself a little bit better. Number six is my wife's problem with overcommitment and that is perfectionism. Everything has to be so perfect that you end up creating a a poor return on effort. Mm -hmm. You put way too much effort in for the result that you get. So it's another behavioral trait taken to an extreme. Wanting to do things with excellence is a great thing, but for everything to be absolutely perfect is a terrible way to live because you're going to end up not completing what you could have otherwise. End up, in effect, overcommitting. Number seven is motivations that are extreme. So you can see I'm talking about things inside of a person that cause them to overcommit. So there are a whole series of motivations that if they're extreme enough, they cast a big shadow over the rest of our lives. So once again, it's a good thing taken to an extreme. For instance, one motivation is people who like to get return on investment. They like to be able to measure results, that's great. But taken to an extreme, you end up overcommitting to things. Uh, one is the desire for knowledge. It's a wonderful motivation to have, but taken to an extreme, you ignore everything else in your pursuit of knowledge, and you don't even take care of yourself. You're over committing yourself to your pursuit of knowledge. Altogether, all there are six different areas that we look at where people have motivations, and we want to understand, is that motivation helpful? Is it? overextended and therefore potentially harmful? Or is it lacking? Because it could be any of those three. Number eight is somebody lacking clarity around what they want to commit to. So why would I want to commit to this project? Why would I want to commit to this person or to this team? So we need to have clarity around why we're making commitments, and it can impact um, whether we're focused on doing the right things, strategy, or whether we're more focused on doing things right, which is more tactical. Number nine is the way that we approach our leadership. If we lead from a do-for mindset, that I, t- I referred to that earlier, I want to help you succeed, so I'm going to keep jumping in and helping, and I end up doing your job and my job, and that ends up resulting in overcommitment the opposite end of that is our 10th reason for overcommitment. That's what we call a do-to mindset in leading. That's where I'm controlling everything. I'm telling you what to do. I'm micromanaging it. And because I'm not giving you the freedom to have some autonomy and go, I tell you what results we're looking for and what the parameters are, and then let you go. When I don't do that, when I overmanage it, I'm overcommitting myself once again. And then Number 11 in my list is taking too narrow of an approach to life that puts us out of balance. So I'm only focused on being successful at work, or I'm only focused on being successful with my family, or I'm only focused on my golf game, or I'm only focused on working out. These are all good things, but when they're too narrow and we get all of our enjoyment from just one area we have a tendency to overcommit to that area, and it costs us in the other parts of our lives. So those are the 11 that I've identified. And for me, this has been really revelatory, because for years, I thought I just need to manage my time better. And I began to realize I actually manage my time pretty good. I've, I've spent decades working on it. And I, in fact, have built some really good habits, but I still overcommit. So what's going on? I had to look at why am I overcommitting? And I had people tell me, oh, Ron, it's because you want to make money. I said, no, nah, that really doesn't resonate with me. They said, it's because you want to please other people. No, nah, that doesn't really resonate. It might have at one time. It doesn't resonate with me. now. I began to realize there was something else at the bottom of it that I had to uncover before I was going to come up with a solution that was, would last
1: I think in just about all of those examples, it is watching for the excess.
0: Yeah, it really it's, is because overcommitment by its very definition is excess
1: commitment. Yeah. Yep. So, And what areas of my life, and and I love this idea in our last podcast, we talked about spending time every day on self-improvement and reflecting on who I am and what am I doing. And this is the opportunity to look at what's happening in my life and where am I doing something in excess? Where am I taking a strength that I have and actually turning it into a weakness because I'm overdoing it?
0: Yeah. And and as I said, that time to focus on you for me has ebbed and flowed over the years. But 2020 was a fantastic year for me with that. And I found that there are many days that two hours wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. I had to find more time in the day because I was so invigorated, and I, I would like to go into all the details of how I did it, but I've got such a rich uh, library of journaling and of the way I'm organizing my thinking, the way that I'm clarifying where my commitments should be. I've got such a rich experience there that it's given me tremendous energy and a tremendous sense of happiness and of strength for the work that I do each day.
1: So let's uh, spend the remainder of this podcast talking about how we can overcome overcommitment.
0: So I'm going to use something that I know you're familiar with, Dale. Our, our listeners might not all be familiar with, but Evans Baia and I co authored a book together called The Innovator's Advantage. And we identify six different stages of creating value. And so I said, okay, how do I create value around managing my commitments? And I used those six stages, and it really worked for me. So the first stage we call the identify stage. So I started by identifying what are my symptoms and writing them down. What is it that makes me feel overcommitted? It can be email. It can be appointments. It can be projects. It can be all the different. I have a list of over a 1,000 people in my journal that I pray for every week that's kind of tempting you to be overcommitted if you try to create value for all those people. So first it was to identify and write down these symptoms because that's the way I'm gonna measure my progress when I see the symptoms no longer there, then I know I'm getting better. Number two, now I wanna define the cause, not just identify the symptoms, but I wanna go deeper and understand the cause. And I love that old phrase that diagnosis is 90% of the cure. So the way I've worked on that has been self-reflection, the journaling I do, the the reflecting and the thinking about it. And my best self-reflection is when I review my previous notes and then add to them. That's the way that I best self-reflect. It's the feedback that I get from other people, asking them what they see. They may be right, they may be wrong, but asking them what they see often helps me. And then I've mentioned several times that we use assessments. Those have been very, very helpful for me in understanding cause. The cause or combination of causes is what's going to provide insights into the cure. So stage three is now I want to work on developing a cure. And for me, I've learned that my first idea is often not the best idea. And so I want to develop potential solutions and take small steps. In innovation, we call this running experiments, with new habits. So I wanna try different things, see what's easy, what's hard. If I can do something that's easy versus something that's hard, I've now learned that I should opt for what's easy. There's no reason for us to make things more difficult than they already are. So I will develop these new habits and this new clarity by running these experiments. And I I started by thinking about what was most important to me and working my way down. So I use something that we talk about in the complete leader book called the ABCD method of prioritization. A are the things I'm gonna work on or the experiments I'm gonna run that are vital to my survival. What are the things I'm thinking about that I don't know if I survive if I don't do these things? B, what are the things that are important to my success? C, what are things that have limited importance? And D, what are things that are important or I don't know the importance? And once I've identified those different things I could do, I don't even pay attention to the Cs and the Ds. I put all my attention on the A's and the B's, and then I begin to work across all the dimensions of my life using that prioritization. So it starts with my own personal wholeness, and then it goes to my family, my work, my community. At least that's the way it should go. Sometimes I get it out of order, but that's where I start. And then the fourth step for me is now I'm going to deploy the experiments that work and build them into long-term habits. So now I'm, I'm creating routines of actions that I repeat. And initially I give myself a reminder every day to do that. And at some point it becomes so automatic that I don't have to keep reminding myself in my calendar, but until it's become automatic, it's in my calendar to remind me every day to do it. I have a reminder right now that pops up every morning at seven o'clock. that says, what am I going to do today to make it a day worth living? And then it's a brief summary of who I want to be as a person today and how I want to behave. Um, Then, last of all, I expand or scale those solutions over time. I think about where else could I apply this? Where else could I go? And then I go back and review what I've been working on. I go back and look at my list of symptoms that I build on the front end and ask myself, how many of these are still present? If they are, that means I've got more work to do. If they're all gone, it means now I need to make sure that I maintain orbit, so to speak, that I keep focused that way. And I'm convinced that the more that we work on ourselves and and document what we're doing so that we can go back and reflect on it and review it, then the closer we will get to conquering overcommitment. And I tell you that I'm better than I was 12 months ago, but I'm not as good as I expect to be 12 months from now. Hmm.
1: Another important lesson that I've learned through these six stages, it's not a flat, linear process, and you alluded to it, but it is a circular process.
0: Say more about that and what your experience has been.
1: Well, it's just that you'll find sometimes you'll get to the develop stage and need to go back and, and think more about what's the problem I'm really trying to solve in the define stage. And then, and there might be a, a little bit of a, of a circle there and then um, don't lock yourself into, okay, step one. Okay. I got the identify done. Check. Step two. I got defined done. Check. Step three. I got developed done. Check. Then I deployed. Check. Then I expanded. Check um, or scaled it. Don't get locked into that thinking is all I'm saying is yeah. because you'll find that this is um, a living process and it is, we're continually growing through the process.
0: Yeah. I think that's great. And and as we both have experienced the whole currency of an innovation mindset is ideas. Yeah. And um, y- you need to continually be developing new ideas. I think the m- moment you quit thinking of new ways of managing commitment, or over commitment. The the moment you quit thinking of new ideas, you're going to begin to start to lose the battle again. And so it's first the quantity of ideas, then it's you're evaluating the quality of those ideas. And then the third area of value creation through ideas is how you combine these ideas together. By combining different ideas that you've been working on, you get stronger and stronger. So again, I'm really so grateful for what I've learned and the victories I've won so far. But if I didn't get better than this, I would be disappointed if I still have a long ways to go
1: absolutely. Ron, if folks are driving while listening to this podcast, this is one of those episodes you're going to want to go back and listen to with a pen and paper in hand, because Ron gave us those 11 areas that he has identified where we tend to overcommit in our lives. Hopefully you're able to add to that, but write those down and think about, um, spend some time journaling how those impact you and where do you see your strengths becoming a weakness because you're exceeding the bandwidth. So, to speak in each of those areas and then when you think about how do i how do i attack that overcommitment aspect Uh, using those six stages that Ron um, talked through, super important. So this is one of those podcasts to bookmark. Come back, write those down. You can also watch this podcast uh, at thecompleteleader.org. It's the website where the video version of the podcast is available. Audio available anywhere you listen to podcasts. While you're out there on your podcast playing app, be sure and uh, subscribe. Also like and review this podcast. We would be most grateful and it helps people find this material when they are searching for leadership development anything else for us ron
0: yeah this is one uh, podcast that i really encourage people to watch the video version of it on the CompleteLeader.org because dale's beard is really looking good <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow can i'm gonna i'm gonna replay that for my wife because she would <laughs> she would argue with you and she well, would win
0: I'm not sure that I would commit to that debate. Okay.
1: <laughs> That's a smart man. Yes. Yeah. She's not crazy about it, but, but it's been fun. So, yeah, all right. With that, this is the complete leader podcast. You can contact Ron, Ron, R-O-N at price-associates.com. Find all 700 plus resources Uh, Tied to The Complete Leader at thecompleteleader.org. A lot of those resources include the videos and podcasts. uh, More than 100 so far is where we're at with the podcast count. And we will be with you again next week for another topic fresh from The Complete Leader. This is The Complete Leader Podcast. Everything you need to become a high-performing leader.
0: Thanks for listening to the Complete Leader Podcast. Find more online at thecompleteleader.org.